you can't force them to be better or smarter or more facile with language than they are, but you can put in the ingredients, sustain the right environment, and they will definitely grow. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Hi everyone, this week we're going to switch it up a bit and play for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Because the webinar itself is over an hour, we're splitting it into two parts, but we'll post both of them this week. And we'll post any links or websites mentioned in this recording at IEW.com podcast. Well, good evening to you all. Andrew Pudua here from our IEW headquarters in Tulsa, Eastern Oklahoma. It's good to be with you on this cold, mostly everywhere Monday night. Uh, it's gonna be one of our coldest nights of the year so far, which some of you have had and may still have much worse up there in the Northern wastes. I also see there's someone from the Cayman Islands and I thought maybe we should just do like a open webinar recording party at the Cayman Islands and invite everyone to come down and have a party there, especially in the middle of winter, I'm sure. There would be some people who would be happy to have an excuse to go. Sunny Phoenix, that's nice. I'll be in Phoenix in a couple of weeks and I'll also be in Anchorage and Fairbanks in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to have my extremes. Tonight we're talking about the style, the syllabus of style, sailing through style, sailing being the metaphor for smooth going. Uh, there do seem to be challenges that come up with style, so we decided to devote a whole webinar to it. If you want to, follow along in your seminar workbooks tonight. If you have the first edition, it's the light blue. Hopefully you've all upgraded to the new and improved expanded and more stylish teaching writing structured style notebook in the new one one of the things we did was put all the style techniques behind one tab in the back of the book in one section so you can access all the examples and things more easily so you might like to have those on hand and one of the things that you know i try to point out in the beginning of the main seminar is that the stylistic techniques and the structural models are a little different. The structure, structural models are cyclical or spiral. And what that means is that you would be working through the models over the course of one year and then through those nine structures over the course of the next year and through those nine units over the next year and kind of revisiting and repracticing and rebuilding. The stylistic techniques 
are more linear. It's more as though you learn one, do it, add one, do it, add another one, do that till it's easy, add another one, add another one, until you've got them all and you've got them all memorized and you know what they are and you can do them on demand, at which point you can graduate from the style checklist at some point, hopefully. So style, every unit, every year, basically on the one a month schedule, though you can go a little slower for your elementary grade. You can go a little faster for high school students, of course. And then with the stylistic techniques, like I said, you introduce one until it becomes easy, then another, then another. And you continuously require everything you've taught in every paragraph following the minimum rules. And so it's cumulative. That's the key. It's kind of like you have to know, you have to really know well what you have learned so far so that adding more complexity doesn't overwhelm. The nine units as we work through generally are in this order, you know, one and two, note making and from outline, note making and outlines and then writing from those outlines and notes. We recommend that in September. October, unit three, retelling narrative stories. Unit 4, summarizing a reference. Unit 5, December, generally flows into January to writing from pictures. February, summarizing multiple references. Uh, what we used to call creative, but now we call inventive writing in March. The formal essays, uh, one or more. There's plenty, plenty to go there with, depending on the age and experience of the students. And then the critique and response to literature units. So that's the one a month schedule. If you take off some structured time over the summer, then there's other things you might want to focus on. Poetry being one of them, perhaps. And then next year, you can start out again with a refresher on basic keyword outlines, and then have more fun with stories and reports and pictures and inventive writing and all that. What I was going to point out is that this is January. And so we generally allocate December and January because put together, they give you about one good month and a week or so for the unit of writing pictures. So hopefully you are, with most of your kids, up to unit five right now. Maybe you've moved past it and you're ready to charge into unit six. Maybe you're, you're lagging a little bit just because the season was rough. But you do want to keep pushing forward and don't get stuck. Hopefully no one is out there still doing keywords from every sentence stuck in the story sequence chart, although at least that's progress. So if you're getting stuck, you contact us and we will do everything we can to help you not get stuck because really the power, the excitement, the real satisfaction for both the teacher and the students is when you make it into the later units and everything starts to come together. So that's why in January, we don't have a separate unit and instead we do this one on stylistic techniques. So the basic principle, of course, is that they should be dripped in as they become. And I think you all know the answer to this question, easy. And so we have this little formula Webster uh, was very big on formulas. He used to create formulas for the lessons in the title. He had a formula for the topic clincher. He had 
these various things that looked more like chemistry or math than writing. We haven't incorporated all of them because I would say that some of them were a little bit confusing. And part of our mission at IEW is to continuously improve the clarity of the system of, of Webster's program and, and how you can teach it. So we don't have uh, all those formulas uh, in the book. If you're interested, you can always buy Webster's book, Blended Structure and Style and Composition. And hopefully by the time you, you get that book, if you get it, you'll be clear enough that his formulas will make good sense and not confuse you. But the one that seemed to stick very well, in fact, I think we made this one up, so maybe that's why, is this EZ plus one. So whenever you are deciding whether or not to introduce a new stylistic technique, the question you ask yourself is, is what I have taught to my student or students, or the large majority of my students, if you have a group, or this individual particular student, if you can have the luxury of doing that, is what I have taught so far easy? And of course, the definition of easy is the student can do it without much help, and it doesn't sound too goofy most of the time. So without much help, not too goofy. And so if the student has four dress-ups on the checklist, and all four of those are going into every paragraph, and there's not any complaining or saying, oh, do I have to do them all, or I don't know what this means, or any of that stuff. Once once it's pretty smooth, not much help required, then, and only then, do you want to introduce the next stylistic technique. What you see on this slide is kind of a sample for how you might introduce the, the techniques over the course of a school year. So, you see this speed would start out with an ly and a who which there at unit two getting to the strong verb uh, right before or at the beginning of unit three adding in a fourth dress up in unit three and a quality adjective right at the end of unit three so five dress ups over the course of the two months of the first two the first three units unit one and two being simultaneous and then finishing with the sixth dress up, the when, while, where, as, if, although, and, and then moving into the sentence openers. This is the sequence that seems to work fairly well. It, it seems odd not to do the number one first, but the number one isn't new. It's a thing you do all the time anyway, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I usually actually start with the number two preposition and introduce the number one subject opener last. And then perhaps by the end of unit seven or right around unit eight, you could introduce a couple of the decorations. So we'll go over the lists and all that. But the idea then would be that's a possible pacing where you march through the units according to the calendar and you introduce the stylistic techniques as they become easy. Here would be some other pacing. This one dripping in some stylistic techniques at a much slower pace. So here you're noting that it's taking you all five, five or six months to the end of unit five, four or five months to the end of unit five to introduce all of the dress ups. And then you get maybe one or two sentence openers. And maybe just for fun, throw in a decoration. We do that with the theme based writing lesson books. So that would be much slower. An example of going a whole lot faster 
would probably be something like this, where you've got hotshot high school students, they've got a great background in grammar, they're picking it up quickly, you're doing a, at least one good solid assignment every week, and boom, you've got all the dress-ups in four or five weeks, you've got, boom, all the sentence openers in the next four or five weeks, and then you can get into all of the decorations and end with triples and even some of the advanced techniques. So that would be, you know, a much faster pace. Now, next year, you're going to come in and probably start mostly at the beginning, introducing a few of the dress-ups of where you were and being sure that those are now refreshed in the mind, the grammar is strong, and then you can, you know, go as fast as you can following the rule easy plus one. So the first year, take it plenty slow slow as you need because you've got plenty of time and it's far more important that the students have success and feel like they have mastered and memorized the checklist far more important that than that you get through this list according to your schedule because you've got another year you've got another year and i've met any number of 10 year olds who are in their third year who are very facile with the dress-ups and most of the openers and some of the decorations. Um, I've also met 10-year-olds who had way too much dumped on them and they can't remember it, they can't do it, they don't want to do it, and we have to kind of back it up and say, okay, let's just go back to what you believe you can do easily. So as I travel around and do student classes, one of the things I'm doing in the advanced classes is saying, okay, let's customize the checklist here for each one in the room. You I'm going to say the dress up, you tell me if you know it. And you know it means you can do it. You don't have to think too hard. You know exactly where to find, you know, the word lists or resources to help that happen. You've done it before. Raise your hand. If you got your hand up, okay, put that on your checklist. Okay, next one. If you know it, put it on your checklist. If you don't, don't put it on the checklist. And so let's get a checklist that's manageable. And, uh, you know, I do have in one class uh, kids who learn their second dress up. And boom, there, there they got two dress-ups on their checklist. I've got kids in that same room that are in their third or fourth year, and they know every single one of those openers like the back of their hand. They can spit out the decorations as well as I can. And of course, that's a, a delightful thing, and their writing is so incredible when I when I read it at the end of the, the workshop there. So one of the tools we have, which I think has been you know, something I've dreamed about for years is some kind of easy way to customize checklists for students. Because for years, you know, I'm messing with Microsoft Word or Excel and I'm trying to remember, you know, option what, option shift what character gives you that little box and, and then with the tabs and the spacing and it would just, you know, to make a good looking checklist would just take too much time. And then you'd want to expand it to three paragraphs and then all your spacing for the little check lines goes off or the score lines goes off. So anyway, I, I always used to think, couldn't we just create this thing, this checklist generator? And all you would have to do is tell it what you want and boom, out would come a neatly formatted document and we've got one. It's not absolutely perfect, but it is 1,000 times better than what I used to have to do. And I still teach. You know, I still, all of my children are out of the home, but I used to teach other people's children kind of as a laboratory in a way. And I just love doing it. And so got 
kids out here in eastern Oklahoma that I've come to adore. I just so, I'm so happy. I use this checklist generator myself because it's so fast and so neat and looks good and is so easy to change. So I highly recommend that you give it a shot. It comes with our premium website. You know, we had to pay quite a bit to a programmer to get this thing set up. So we need to recoup a little bit. But you, if you have our premium website, you already have access to this. You just have to click on that tab that says checklist generator and it'll pop up and give you the right links and all that. If you purchase the TWSS2 with or without the DVDs, you have access. If you want to buy just the premium subscription, you can do that. And then the renewals are very reasonable. In fact, all of the resources available on that premium subscription, I have to say, I myself, even though I have all this stuff in my brain or in my computer or both, I would probably buy the premium subscription just so I could have access to those things quickly and easily and the checklist generator being the, the key one. So 29 a year, we feel that's pretty reasonable. Of course, if you don't like it, you can always get a refund. We have a 100% unconditional guarantee on everything. So if you haven't tried it and you're teaching and you'd like to have more control over those checklists, I'm, even if you're using a theme-based writing lesson book, it's nice to be able to customize the checklist according to the individual students. So, Okay, I'm going to stop just right at this moment because I see a question here. Kathleen is asking, is it okay to continue easy plus one even if they struggle with basic sentence structure? Yes, Kathleen, I think it is. And the reason would be this. If their sentences are awkward without dress-up techniques, they're not going to be all that much worse with the dress-up techniques. So you might as well give them a few tools. And in some ways, the techniques actually help reduce some of the awkward sentence structures. Now, I will admit that some of the clausal connectors, such as putting in the, the who or which, sometimes the because clause, sometimes the adverb clause, you can have kids that end up with fragments, but they would probably end up with fragments even if you didn't have them put in the dress-up clauses. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. What you're counting on is that reading out loud to them, them reading a little more, parents reading out loud to them, trying to make a, a language-rich environment is gradually building their innate sense of a correct sentence. And you're probably, I think I know you, uh, you would be continuing to work on grammar. So while you're looking at the general through examples of good quality language and working toward the specific, you're also explicitly teaching the specific. Here's what you must have in a sentence for it to be a correct sentence. And those should blend together. And then the writing, that's going to be kind of the refrigerator that gels the jello or the time that allows the substance to set. You're putting in the ingredients. You can't force them to be better or smarter or more facile with language than they are. But you can put in the ingredients, sustain the right environment, and they will definitely grow. 
I'm quite sure I've seen lots and lots of kids go through a very awkward phase and come out on the other side. So hopefully that is helpful. Okay, so now going to the next idea here. In my seminar, I talk about in regards to introducing the style techniques, having the reminder signs, having the posters with the word lists, having the unit posters, having the preposition chart, having everything that you are teaching visually in your environment, because that is going to make a big difference. And I think in this in the seminar, I make a joke and I say, you know, if you think you're going to do Martha Stewart home education, give it up right now. You know, it's not going to happen. But Martha Stewart's kind of passe now. Everyone knows Pioneer Woman. I've actually met her a few times. She's a homeschool mom. I don't know if any of you know her, but she has a nice little picture of the perfect scene of the dining room in the nice little humble home. But what I envision on that wall isn't some decorative shelving thing. I envision a whiteboard surrounded by handmade or printed posters with all of the stuff you want your kids to be reminded of and thinking about as they are writing their papers at the table. Now, if you have a classroom, obviously you have control over the walls of your classroom, so you can maximize that. If you're teaching in someone else's space, that's the hardest situation because you you don't really have a classroom where they're, they're coming every day. You're teaching a core, you're teaching a class once a week, maybe in a tutorial or, or co-op situation. So they don't really have it there at the church you're camping out in. They don't really necessarily have it at home because they're doing the writing class with you. So in that case, try to you know, encourage the moms, give the moms some posters. You know, you, if you have access to the premium website, there's a lot of posters you can print out uh, in small, regular eight and a half by 11 size. And you can give that to the mom and say, here, you know, stick this on a bulletin board there where your children are doing their homework. That would be great. And then as they get a little bit older, we have the resources like the portable walls or notebook resource notebooks like that. So use the walls and don't try to do the perfect classroom. Mrs. Ingham said many, many times in different ways, but always the same essential message. And I have really seen this to be true myself. If you're going to try and explain something to children, also try and show them, right? So if you tell them, show them, put it in both through their ear and through their eye. And if you're going to show them something, also explain it. You know, if you're going to tell them something, try to make a poster or a reminder sign or something that will help them lock it. She, you know, Mrs. Ingham created the blended sound sight program of learning. That's what she called it, a multi-sensory approach to learning reading and writing in English. And she was just so profoundly effective. I did uh, write, just by the way, an article that will be in our next magnum opus magazine. And I hope you all get that. But I wrote uh, an article about some of the great mentors in my life, Mrs. Ingham being one of them. So a little bit of reminiscing there. So if you're gonna if you're gonna tell them, show them to. If you're gonna show it, explain it well. And if you can get some kind of tactile or kinesthetic multi-sensory element in as well, do that. Many of you have seen me teach the 
the topic clincher rule with the, the gestures, with the hand motion. Well, kids eat that up and it helps them remember and uh, it integrates the sensory experience in the mind too. So you can make your own posters and that's the way it used to be. I would run around doing seminars saying, now everybody go make your own posters. And then of course that took time, that took work, busy teachers, busy parents having to deal with babies and cooking and cleaning and husbands and homeschooling kids in four different grade levels. Make your own posters wasn't necessarily the best option for everyone. And so uh, we did do some, I think, graphically very nice posters, trying to keep them as complete and simple and attractive as possible. And uh, like I said, if you've got the premium website, you have access to printing those smaller size. Another product that I really have loved, and I, I bet most of you are familiar with because we've been giving them away at 12 Days of Christmas forever, but that's the portable walls. The story of how I came up with this is kind of interesting. I'll spare a couple minutes and let you know because you might not know the history. I was working in the Rockland, California School District, suburb of Sacramento, and the teachers were all on board and I had been back couple times. They were all doing it in the classroom. They were getting great improvements on their test scores. It was very exciting. And so I discovered, though, that they weren't able to make the posters and put them on the wall the way I had, you know, encouraged them and demonstrated this is what you should do for this particular reason. Now, this will kind of blow your mind. The fire marshal had made regulations that you were not allowed to cover more than 20% of the wall space in a classroom with paper. Can you imagine teaching in a classroom and not being able to cover more than 20% of your walls with paper unless you bought this very expensive fireproof paper? Well, when I found that out and how this was you know, obviously handicapping the teachers, I let out a diatribe. That fire marshal should be strung up by the toenails, have all his hair clipped off, uh, handcuffed and sentenced to teach fourth grade for a year with no help, you know, or something I was obviously <laughs> overstating. But I went back to the hotel and I thought, okay, if the children cannot go to the walls, the walls will come to the children. And so I went to the store and bought some file folders and I made some charts and then I pasted them into these file folders and I put two of them together so it would stand up like a nice little carol, like in a library carol, you know, in a, a U shape. All the lists I would like them to have on the walls. And I said, okay, you can't do it on the walls, but you can help your students make this. All you need is two file folders a piece and a copy machine. And, and I demonstrated it. I don't know if any of the teachers really did it. Homeschool moms of the old days, some of you remember the whole idea of pocket charts. Do you remember those pocket charts and booklets? Oh my, what a lot of work. But kids love stuff like that. Anyway, we discovered that people, again, were happier to be able to purchase Portable Walls products. And now we actually have four Portable Walls. We have the original one there that you see. We also have the Tools for Young Writers, so portable walls at primary level. We have portable walls for the essayist and then our newest uh, grammar on the go, portable wall grammar reference. And so hopefully you have those. If not, 
you can take a look at them in the new catalog that comes out very soon. Oh, there we go. There's portable walls for the essayist. The other thing that I would point out that some of you may know in terms of the very, very useful nature of the electronic devices, we, of course, I think most all of us carry around a, a pretty good dictionary or thesaurus app. I have, unfortunately, a, a whole bookshelf of dictionaries and thesaurus, a whole shelf in my bookshelf. And I have to confess, I haven't used one of them for a long time, mainly because, you know, we just have it so more available. But even with the old style thesaurus, it was a little difficult for students to be able to use a thesaurus, especially young kids, because it would give them, you know, words that were kind of synonyms, but when eat and erode are synonyms, <laughs> you can see the potential for confusion if they take that literally. My my old friend and longtime teacher, Loranish Walkoffer, wrote this book called A Word Right Now, which I bet some of you know. And this word right now was such a good resource, we asked her if we could make it into an app so people could get it for five bucks and have it available in their pocket rather than you know have to pay 30 some dollars and carry it around the paper one is beautiful too they're they're both beautiful but we have the free app which is basically just what's in the seminar workbook you can get those word lists and then we have our paid app which is the entire word right now book organized by character quality, divided by parts of speech, with sample quotes and sentences. It's really a, really a handy thing. So let's just run through the dress-up techniques, just in case anyone has any questions about the teaching of these. I don't have much of a script or an agenda, because I'm assuming that you got it from the TWSS, or you can read it in the seminar workbook that's available. But we tried to do one thing a couple of years ago when we put the, the new TWSS together, and that was get consistent about the order of introducing them. I had kind of said, here they are, and introduce them in whatever order you want, because that was the way I learned it from Webster and the Canadians. And he always did the who, which first, and I always found that the LY was the easiest. So that's why I... I started doing the LY adverb first for the you know very beginning introductory class. It seemed to be something you know the kids could lock onto. The whole idea of dress ups is that you can use certain words, you can use certain grammatical constructions to look a different way, just like you can put on certain things to look more professional. Kids seem to relate to that very well. You can have you know a clown suit, you can have play clothes. You can have a nice suit, a nice dress. So one thing we did when we put this together was we decided to alternate these dress-ups between part of speech and uh, sentence structure. So the first one, L-I adverb, you're adding that in, okay? Next one is the who, which clause. Creates an adjective clause that tells more about one of the things in the paragraph. Sometimes you have to work with that a little bit so the kids get the hang of making it a complete sentence, but I'd say pretty much they all get there eventually. Then we go to the strong verbs. So now we're back on the vocabulary side. Then we go to a clause, and I talk about the because clause as being something that is both easy for them to do because they do it anyway, and also can be the one that's most likely to sound tacked on or forced. 
doesn't bother me a little bit of awkwardness as you've heard me say it's okay but eventually i will drop the because clause once we get to the number five sentence opener but that creates another sentence pattern variety then of course next would be the quality adjective and then we have the clausal dress up or the adverb clause uh, some people learn the list when while well, where as since if although which is the first seven of those and then made the acronym www.asia to help remember it better. So that kind of explains why we have this particular order established now in both the teacher materials and all the new student materials, just so it's consistent and there is a logic behind it. We do have to stop here because we're out of time for today, but because we don't want to leave you hanging too long, we'll go ahead and post the rest of the content later this week. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.